Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. VMAs were uh, quite something last night. People haven't talked about the VMAs this way in a long, long time. Yeah, so there was a lot of action. We're going to get into all of it. I mean, the big thing in sync. Uh, appeared on stage. They reunited after many, many years. Yeah, and actually, in sync being there is what led to um, <laughs> the big blow up. Well, we thought it was a blow up for sure. Yes, we're, we're going to show you this. This is an interaction between Meg Thee Stallion and Justin Timberlake backstage. They're backstage. In sync is about to walk on stage, and Meg is there getting done up. And she's pointing and her she's finger pointing, at And she's pointing, waving a finger. And it looks And watch, it looks look at her angry. face when she turns around. Yeah. She looks like she's upset. Yeah, she looks very upset. And so there, that people saw this video. Um, it got ended up online. And then they started running with the story that Megan and Justin Timberlake have some beef. If you had a body language expert looking at this, they would say, Meg Thee Stallion is pissed. I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I spoke to someone, like... I don't know, probably five minutes after that happened, I spoke to someone who was backstage, who was standing right next to Megan as this was happening. And they were telling me she really wasn't pissed. She wasn't pissed. She loves Justin. And I just said, it doesn't, it doesn't I don't look, see that in the video. It, it, it you got to give me some look, more context. It does not look that way. Right. Well, then we did get more context. <laughs> and it really was actually a pleasant exchange. Um, what had happened, you see, why it happened was, as InSync is walking past, Justin turned to Megan and said, hey, nice to meet you. Um, and she, her reaction was, no, 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 That's We haven't met. That's not how we're going to meet. It's not just going to be you walking past me saying hi. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a dinner. Yeah. Something like that. So she's like, this is one of those things that... Don't don't just don't yeah. shortchange me here. <laughs> I'm not just gonna meet. I'm just not gonna right. walk by you. you I, can't just I want brush to sit me down and like have that. dinner with you. Right. So that's that's kind of what it was. Right. So you know, this is where it just launches. Although I will say this, you know, sometimes things launch online for ridiculous reasons. This one I makes sense that. visually. It totally makes sense visually. Because the eye test is, yeah. she's pissed. It totally makes sense. But if you take a look also, Joey Fatone was the guy standing right behind Justin, and you see he's smiling yeah. and laughing through the whole exchange too. So that's kind of what made you think, okay, maybe there was something that you just can't see with your eyes here. Meg also posted after the show, she was out actually with Justin. They were partying. She said, look, sometimes I just talk with my hands, and that kind of explains why, uh, why we kind of saw what we saw there in that video from backstage. Yeah, that's a good point, Brad, that when you look at the, because initially you just want to look at Megan, but if you look at everybody else that's around, nobody is like, you know, normally people Although, go, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Although sometimes people try and laugh things off to kind of de-escalate. I mean, that could happen too. Yeah, so, but there's nobody else around who's no, like, I mean, I get concerned. it. Like, even the hair guy is just, he's still going at okay, it. Okay, so anyway, so that <laughs> happened. So then, um, in sync, um, ends up on stage, and who knew Taylor Swift would just totally fangirl out? I mean, uh, I mean, she. I think I could have figured it out, but this is. Um, there's a reason why she's so excited. The question is, is she genuinely overdoing it, or is this? I'm picking the ladder, and I'll explain <laughs> why after you watch. <laughs> goes to 
the unstoppable Taylor Swift. I'm not doing well pivoting from this to this. Like, I had, I had your dolls. I like, what, like, are you doing something? What's gonna happen now? What are you, there's something they're gonna, they're gonna do something and I need to know what it is. <laughs> okay, so, you know, Taylor's She's the right age to be. I mean, you heard her. She had Here's dolls, the thing. So. I think she was genuinely, I think she was genuinely, has genuinely been a fan of NSYNC. Yes, and was excited to be standing on stage with her. But the kind of shock when you when see When they walked him, out, the, her being like, oh my God, it's them! Taylor Swift. Everybody knew by the time, the, everyone in that arena knew that NSYNC was and coming out on stage. especially Taylor Swift. She is, uh, look, she is amazing. She is a very intentional person. Everything she does, there is something behind it. She's, and, and that's, not, that's a good thing, actually. Right. She's very intentional. That shock ain't real shock. <laughs> I do feel like it was a genuine reaction. She is representative of all millennials that were so excited to see all five of these guys reunite. And look, here's the thing. Everybody wants to know, are they going to come out with an album? Is this going to spark some kind of residency, some tour, some kind of concert, anything? And we're told no. Sadly, there's nothing on... Um, you they know, say that now. The calendar for them to reunite other than just this troll song that they're doing and promoting for, you know, with Justin Timberlake. But, but who Charlie, knows? you know how that goes. Right. I, they, don't, they say there's nothing planned at this point because they haven't seen what kind of response their song is going to get. Once the song comes out, if there's a huge reaction, well, then everybody changes the plan. I have a different opinion about this. I know they're saying that there's no plan to do it. I think there's a plan to do it. I mean, I know there they're to saying be a contingency it. plan. No, for, I, I don't even think it's a contingency plan. Of course, plan. If, if, song, but if Harvey, if the song bombs, then they're, then they're not going to go. The on song's not going to bomb. It's in sync. It's not going to bomb. But people want to see them. I mean, Charlie, you were saying that if they went on tour, they'd sell out every arena oh, they went to. Oh, absolutely. They could have. They could even have a successful residency like the Backstreet Boys uh, did. You know, I mean, everybody would go in sync. Fans have been desperate to see them get together again, so it'd be great. And you know what? The news that they're not doing this and they're not considering it is just tearing up my heart. But I don't. Uh, oh God, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but, but 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 I know that their people are saying that. I think that I just think they're gonna do it right now. I mean, look, Justin Timberlake's last song didn't do Zost particularly album. well. His last album. Yeah. Um, the, the other guys have always talked about wanting to reunite and sure. do this. And there's a reason Justin Timberlake's coming on stage here. There's, it's not just to promote that other song. I mean, there's a reason they're together after all these years. And I feel this is a precursor to them. And I don't know whether it's a new album. I would think it would be in conjunction with a tour. You don't need, they don't need an album. They don't need an yeah. album, for sure. But they could easily do a residency. They could do a tour. They could do both. I it just, I don't know, my spidey senses are just. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's DJ Chain, St. Pete, Florida. I believe that there is something that is going to happen. I believe it's, it's either going to be a concert, it's going to be an album, it's, it's going to be something. As far as Taylor Swift, I think, his, I think her reactions were genuine, because think about it. She's, she's winning an, a, an award from NSYNC. Like, what more could you ask for? That's like Michael Jackson teaching you how to moonwalk. So of course she's, go she's going to be nervous. <laughs> she's going to be super excited. Like, 
come on. That's the best of both worlds right okay. there. Okay, you know who wasn't excited last night? And that would be one Selena Gomez. And it was written all over her face, and then it was written all over the internet because as soon as people saw her reaction during a particular part of the award show, uh, it became a, an instant meme. Uh, this is as they are announcing the um, nominees for Best R&B. And you're going to see Selena's face, and you're going to hear a particular artist mentioned, Chris Brown. And then here is how Selena very clearly feels about Chris. Once they moved on to the next she artist, she smiles. But like, oh, that's clear, I mean, that's uh, that little subtle gesture says so much. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I think if she hadn't then resumed clapping after they said Chris's name, uh, there would have been more uh, yeah. question about if, if this was a shot or not. I, I don't understand. I know a lot of people have. They, first of all, they've made memes about this, and and a lot of people have attacked her online. I've seen it. I don't understand it. Obviously, we know what happened with Chris Brown and Rihanna in 2009, and a lot of fans have gotten past that. That's their prerogative. I, I don't understand why someone would get mad at her for still being upset about what happened to Rihanna. I truly do not get it. What I don't understand is why was the camera trained on Selena during That's that moment? That's what I don't, I don't get. get. There were, and they had it other and I don't know how many the cameras night. There were people there. And I'm not saying Selena's not a big star, because she is. It's just, why then? Hey guys, this is Vico in Dallas, Texas, and I think that Selena is in her entire right to feel and express the way that she did. I mean, anytime that you have nominees for any kind of award, you're going to have people show some kind of reaction, whether it's this way or the other way. Um, what I think is also pretty sad is that she feels that she can't be herself without the fear of being dragged across social media or being looked at as a meme again. So I do feel for her. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was kind of a it subtle, was a genuine, but very revealing yes, gesture. Subtle, genuine reaction, and that's... And she probably thought, well, they're not going to be on me for this. <laughs> well, they were. And lo and behold. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Kanye West uh, has a, a home that he purchased in Malibu a while ago. I believe $57 million, if my memory yes. serves correctly. Uh-huh. But what he was planning to do in this place, we've been wondering, like... Is he ever going to move in? What's happening they've there? Been, they've been working on that for years now. Well, well, I thought. <laughs> that's, that's They have been, but it's the kind of work that has been revealed in a new lawsuit. A guy who says he was hired to be the project manager is now suing Kanye over the conditions that he had to endure while working on this project. And he's revealing what Kanye wanted to do with this place. And it is... Well, I, maybe it's normal for Kanye, but... Yeah, I mean, it's pretty shocking, the allegations. The man's name is Tony Saxon, and what he's saying is, I had to work these 16-hour days, I had to sleep on the floor in this place, but oddly enough, Kanye wanted to take out all the windows and all the electricity from the home, and Tony says he was working there and said, this will be dangerous if we move in these large generators into this house, and Kanye got irate and fired him. So wait a minute, so let me ask you a question. Is he a GC, a is he a general contractor? He's a, he's describes himself as a project manager. Okay, he's a project manager, which is not just like a you know a subcontractor. He's um, toward the top there. 
Why, why, why is he sleeping at that place? Apparently, Kanye wanted him to be sort of a jack of all trades and sort well, what, of stay what, in the what? home as well. There was no bed. So well, he was I know, but on the ground. But I, I hate to say it. I know. But why would you take him. that job? And then that's on him if he says, "Yeah, you're going to stay in a house that's got nothing, and and you're going to be there 24/7." Like, why would he take that? Why job? would he take that job? And if he took that job, it's on him, right? In part, it's a, it sounds like a pretty prestigious job. Kanye West wants you to revamp why? his house. Kanye West likes what all these architecturally Ka significant projects. Maybe Fine. it was exciting at first. What did Kanye West do wrong if he says to the guy, "I want a project manager who sleeps here too"? The guy has a mouth and can say no. <laughs> I don't understand what Kanye did wrong here. One of the allegations is that he didn't pay him for the work that the guy well, that's, had done. That's, that's and fine. So that's a big allegation. That's fine. That's fine. But and and then Kanye's going to say he didn't do the work and then they fight it out. I get it. Laying sleeping I mean, you know there's no like, bed there. There's no like bed in the interview you asked that once they say to you whether it's Kanye or someone else that uh, that Tony was meeting with, but once someone says so you're gonna be staying here 24 seven. And then you have a right to say yes or no. And the next question is, okay, great. What are the, you know. Well, you know the accommodations because the right. place is torn apart. <laughs> the place is a shell. It's just concrete, man. We're fixating on the on the sleeping conditions. Well, yeah, because saying that Kanye was... wanted to move in generators indoors, which you know can lead to fire hazards. Well, then he it says can uh, suffocate dude, people and other workers. No, 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 no but, well, hold on. But, but, all right, so there's there are two things here. There's the actual lawsuit about the working conditions, which we all seem to agree, seems a little strange. There are three things. Right. Th but the other thing is what he wanted to do with the house. And I know that's not what he's suing about, but to me, that's what's really interesting. Well, no, here. no, no. But Charles, there are three things. One is what we just agreed on. Right. The second thing is he didn't pay me, and that should be fought out. Sure. But the third thing is, if Kanye's saying, I want generators here, and the guy says, I am a contractor, that's unsafe, no. Kanye has the right to fire him. You don't have a contract with a general contractor. I mean, unless right. the contract says it. You know, if you're if you're not if you don't have so, a meeting of the minds on things, you basically say I can't use yeah, you. You get anymore. rid of your contract. So what's the? So I think we've broken down this whole lawsuit. The only thing this is Tony's got wages. is the wages. He yeah. should be paid for the time that he put in. Am I missing something there? Well, isn't it also shocking that Kanye West wanted to take windows out of his place in Malibu? The only reason to live in it Malibu is, is for the views. But, but he can't. Sue, but Tony can't sue over yeah. that. What's what's what what? It is interesting though. Yeah, it's just interesting. That's a Kanye. I would say in, it's interesting. It, it's yeah. I mean, interesting. How is it actionable? <laughs> This is all I'll I tell think, you. Well, it I got to tell you. the money. The guy's saying he didn't get paid, and he wants some pay for whatever work he did do. So, so we're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., chiming in on the Kanye West story. So there's definitely a lot to unpack here, but the biggest thing is, like Harvey said, the contractor should have led with the fact that he wasn't paid. Because, again, if Kanye wants no windows and or generators as a contractor, that's your expertise to say, hey, that's not going to work. And then again, if he's saying, hey, I want you to lay on the floor, you got to sleep on the floor. Say no. You say no. Not, not doing that. Yeah. So. Lawsuits. <laughs> lawyers. Okay, we're going to do. We're going to move on. Yes, moving on to another story involving lawyers and the Nelk Boys. Very popular YouTube comedy troupe. Uh, they do lots of pranks that, got to be honest, that, like YouTubers and not I see, necessarily I, my I actually thing. I've seen some of them. But some, these guys. Do some funny things. They're funny. Unless you are the subject or the butt of the joke, you might not find it funny. In fact, there's a lawsuit now against them um, filed by a marijuana delivery guy uh, who was called to make a delivery. 
and ended up in the middle of a drug bust. And so we thought, now you think, wait, marijuana... Oh, they staged a fake... But marijuana is legal, so why would this guy be worried? Right. Well, it has to do with what they presented to him once he walked in. He thought he was in the middle of a meth lab, and this bust went down. And here's, here's a bit of the prank. Whoa. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, I ordered food. I ordered food. Oh, we got food. No, we're just we're just taking a break from work. We just want to smoke some weed. Oh my god. Get in here. Shut up. Everybody on the ground. What's in the bag? That is herbs. It's it's a marijuana delivery. Marijuana delivery. And you're not yeah. Oh god. I didn't none of us ordered marijuana. You gotta tell me. Come on. You guys up. This is bad. So yeah. this guy, this is bad. Must have felt he was in the middle of a Breaking Bad episode. Yeah, and th this, this is, is this bad. is craziness. I, I'm not sure, Charles. You mentioned earlier weed is illegal. I'm not sure this delivery was necessarily legal, but I also don't think it matters in any way. Uh, this guy was set up to be pranked, but there was actually a physical altercation. He thought that he was under arrest. He thought he he says he thought maybe he was going to be shot. This is real yeah. trauma. No, I get that. So, I get that. Uh, Jason, I, so there's a lawsuit here, right? Yeah, yeah it's a lawsuit, exactly. In addition to a lawsuit, is there something about impersonating a police officer? You know, Harvey, and I that's was thinking a crime. the same and thing. And that's a crime. That is an absolute crime to impersonate a police officer. And for this very reason, it could create Yikes. a really dangerous situation. No, this is terrible. I, I was game to watch this. This is really bad. And I got to tell you, this could end up being a crime. This is bad. Well, we may have a familiar face joining the race uh, for president, uh, and that would be Andrew Yang, but not as a Democrat this time. Uh, potentially. Um, he, well, potentially, I guess yeah. that's true. Uh, but it not, not part out. of the Democratic Party. Correct. Correct. That he, uh, there came out that he has had conversations with a third, third party, potential third party uh, called No Labels, um, and seems like they're interested in him as a presidential candidate. And so, the idea of the no labels party is that you kind of blend a Democrat and a Republican on a ticket so that you have some unity in this country, which we have been sorely lacking now for years. Yes. So uh, joining us right now is the potential candidate and also, by the way, new author. Uh, Andrew has a, a new novel out, which is the first time he's written a novel, I believe. Uh, and so we're going to talk to him about that, but we got to get into this um this presidential race, potentially. Andrew, welcome back to TMZ Live. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. So tell us about this. So do we have it right that the No Labels Party, the idea is to kind of tear down that wall, if you will, Mr. Gorbachev, <laughs> and to have Democrats and Republicans kind of unify um, with a ticket um, that is palatable to both sides? Two-thirds of Americans are not excited about the Biden-Trump rematch. Uh, there'll be a combined 159, 160 next year. Uh, it doesn't make sense in a country of 330 million people that we'd have these two as our top two choices. Uh, so there are folks who are working on an alternative. I'll say my organization, the Forward Party, is trying to make headway at the local level. And right now, I'm calling for the Democrats just to have a competitive primary. I think Joe should say, look, guys, let's have debates. Uh, and then have folks who want to step up have a real process to challenge him. RFK Jr. has said that he would like to debate the president. Do you think that that's something that President Biden should do? 
I think President Biden should say, sure, I'll debate all comers. Uh, and then if you were to genuinely open it up, you know who I think would throw their hat in the ring? Governor Gavin Newsom, who you know well, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Governor J.B. Pritzker, Governor Roy Cooper. Some Like a lot of folks want to run. Uh, and there are a lot of Dems who are looking up saying, hey, you know, I, I think I could do this job. Uh, they're being told to wait their turn. I think that's a mistake. I don't think we've got four years. I really want to get into this no labels party and the fact that you're talking to them. But before we do, I, I got to ask you something because something's been bugging me. That if you watch the cable news networks, um, which I do, which I do often, um, they have every Republican contender on. Some of whom have asterisks or one per, asterisks yeah. or one percent. Yet they are not putting. There are two people who are running on the Democratic side, Marianne Williamson and RFK Jr., and they're being shut out. Nobody is even putting them on TV. Marianne has complained about this. But we it had just, her on here a couple weeks ago. But they're polling way yeah. higher than most of the people on the other side that they are putting on. Does that bug you? It does bug me. It should bug the American people. Uh, we should have a real process, a real democracy. And the press... Yourself accepted. One reason we all love you guys. Uh, but but the, the press doesn't want to have on folks who are challenging Joe on the Democratic side. They're being told just ignore them and make it go away. Meanwhile, 65, 70 percent of Democrats are concerned about Joe's advancing age. Uh, and even if you want to put those concerns to bed, Joe can be like, sure, I'll just debate my challengers. But if the DNC were to say, we'll have a real open process, you'd see more people join Marianne and RFK. I'm really fascinated by this. And I know this is coming kind of out of the blue, this no, no labels party. But the, the problem with this country right now is that half the country hates the other half. And is this a possible solution where you do try to find that middle ground and bring two people in? And if so, are you interested in that? I'm very interested in creating a real set of choices for the American people, because at this point, about half of us say we're independents, uh, which is twice as many as, say, we're Democrats or Republicans. Uh, now, that this presidential cycle, I will say I've looked at the numbers, and uh, if most any human runs, they're going to take more uh, from Joe Biden than Trump, if that is the matchup. And I personally don't want to be party to helping Trump win. I think Trump's a catastrophe. I think the odds of him winning are higher than most people would like to think. Uh, and our system is setting us up for that. Uh, that's what I'm trying to change, guys, is imagine a real fair system. that in, in that system, Donald Trump doesn't come anywhere near the White House. And I would say Joe Biden probably wouldn't be in position to march unimpeded uh, for a second nomination, a second term, potentially. Okay, let's move from the next election to the last, the election. last election. I'm dying to know about your book. Well, thanks, guys. I learned a lot running for president. I was trying to convey some of those experiences to people, also warn people about what's on the line and down the pike if we don't modernize our system, because right now we're not really being properly represented. You can see it with the Biden-Trump rematch that none of us wants. So the last election, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. But it's loosely based on what would happen if uh, someone like a Mark Cuban ran for president. <laughs> hmm. and, and then what uh, follows uh, people's motivations. Uh, so it, it's a thriller. It's entertainment first and foremost. It's actually being shopped as a screenplay in Hollywood. It's that kind of read, but it also has a powerful message and hopefully a warning for people about what could be coming down the pike. 
Wait a minute, Mark mm. Cuban's The Warning? Yeah. It, <laughs> you know something we don't about Mark Cuban? I'm part of the draft Mark Cuban campaign. So, you know, like I, I love I, Mark. I'm a Mark Cuban. I'm a Mark Cuban guy. I mean, the generic drugs company is improving yep. uh, tens, yep. hundreds of thousands of, of lives right now. I love uh, Mark. And yeah, and, and if Mark Cuban decides to run, you'll see me, uh, you know, like fairly like right behind him, like saying, yeah, let's go, Mark. Uh, but our system right now, if someone like Mark were to run, uh, our system doesn't want that to happen. And so how would that play out? That's what this book, The Last Election, is meant to illustrate is what our system would do if someone like Mark decided to run, which, by the way, again, I'm for. I'm for publicly. I'm going to read your book. All right. I, that sounds fascinating. I, I can't wait. Mark knows, by the way, that he's uh, <laughs> it's loosely based. Uh, you know, the the party in the book is called the Maverick Party. It's a pretty good oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but loosely based. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for being with us, man. We, great talking to you. Always great talking to you. Great seeing you guys as well. All right. Thanks, Andrew. He is such maybe, an he is Maybe we'll such, see him on the campaign trail. We'll such see. an interesting guy. I, he is such an interesting man. Yeah. Okay, taking a break. All right, when we come back, the capture of Danilo Cavalante, the Pennsylvania inmate who escaped... They've got him in custody again, and the hero, turns out, is a canine officer. What went into the canine's training to find this guy? We're gonna be joined by an expert in the field when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. The two-week-long manhunt for Danilo Cavalante, uh, the guy who escaped in Pennsylvania, is now over. Um, you can see the uh, a huge uh, number of officers gathered around him. There, really, were, there were 500 law enforcement personnel looking for this guy. Yeah, doing this manhunt. For two weeks. And they finally tracked him down well, early this morning. They didn't. Well, uh, yeah, you got to give them some credit well, also. Give, give but the person credit. who made first contact with Cavalante is not a person. It was a canine officer um, who uh, apprehended him, held him down. Um, in fact, there is a photo of Danello um, bloodied, bloodied. His face bloodied. Um, so, you know, he, <laughs> this was not, listen, these canines got to hold him down. And then other officers came in uh, and apprehended him. So we're just fascinated with how, when you have that many officers out there covering as much territory as they were covering, these canines are able to actually do the uh, job. Do the job. So uh, joining us right now, someone who understands the training that these canines go through because he put them through it. Michael Gould uh, is a former a retired New York City canine officer or training officer, and he's joining us right now. Michael, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Michael. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. This is a, a celebration, a great day for law enforcement. So thank you for having me. Yeah, this is it. My definitely my wheelhouse, and I'm excited to be with you. All right. So can you explain the process here? I know that they give the dog a scent and the dog has to find, um, connect the scent to somebody out there. But, you know, this was such an expanse, acres and acres and acres. How does it actually work where you've got a canine and you've got such a large area? Are they just roaming until they find? Right, so they're all trained to find what we would call hot human scents. So obviously the suspect lying down in the middle of the woods overnight or for any extended time, that's the hottest human scent in the area. So these dogs are trained. It's probably the greatest form of training. It's longer than the human police academy to train the dogs to do this. So they're analogous to me. You know, we talk about 
technology. To me, they're the greatest technology law enforcement has because they're like odor sensing, heat seeking missiles. So they get on the scent and they target the odor and at the hands of the, the handler, who we could call a technician, seeks it out, uh, seeks out the odor, and they're trained to clamp down and hold the suspect. And in this case, it was textbook. You have a dangerous criminal with a weapon, no officers got uh, hurt, and this dog, they, they deployed perfectly well. And as you can see, deadly physical force would have been authorized under this circumstance. Dogs are not deadly physical force, they're not considered that. So this is the amazing uh, marriage between humans and dogs. To uh, I mean, dogs have been hunting escaped prisoners from the beginning of time. So that tech, the technology of it has it changed. But I consider it technology. They move 30 miles an hour. They're voice activated. They're waterproof. Uh, they jump over six-foot fences, under, over, and they work for a bag of dog food a month. So, uh, you know, when you talk about technology, there's no computer chips, but their nose and their ability to clamp down on something when they're properly trained, there's no technology like it. Yeah, yeah that's an ex excellent point, Michael. So you said, how, how long, I know you said it's a, a long time, but like if you were training one of these dogs, are you talking years? Um, and, and, and how exactly do you do it? Is it just giving them a bunch of different scents and then... They, they put those the thing on their arm. Well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you do that. We've all right. seen that. So, That's awesome. So they're multi-purpose, right? So again, if we think of it about a piece of technology, you can apprehend a fleeing felon. It could find bombs, drugs, cadavers, and lost children, all in one packet. To answer your question, though, it's a six-month initial training, like the police academy for humans. It's hundreds of hours, but it's continual training. So when I was trained for the Nassau County Police and NYPD. We were out in the field doing these exact same scenarios every week in rain, sleet, hail, and snow. This is what makes it a fabulous piece of technology. So, wow. you know, one of the things that I have always wondered about with this, look, if a dog latches on to a person, the person is gonna resist and recoil, which unless the dog is called off, they'll just go further and further and further, and it could become deadly force. So I'm assuming that the trainer has to always be near the dog in case the dog makes contact. But when does the trainer, is it just and kind they of- they were in this case, by the way. That, right. That they, yeah. Is, is it just eyeballing it to know that the suspect's subdued? Because the suspect is gonna struggle just because the suspect's being bitten. So when does the trainer know to release the dog? Right, so that's an excellent point because dogs sometimes are, don't understand. They don't make moral decisions and they don't make emotional decisions. This is just one big game for them. So they're not tracking a murderer, they're tracking a toy and they're hunting for something analogous to hunting a rabbit. The handler is always responsible, just like a gun. It can't accidentally go off. But to your point, Harvey, it's a reflexive action. If you have a 70 pound dog attached to your body, you you can't comply. You have to you have to resist that. It's a human reflex, but it's up to the handler. Soon as the dog makes contact and is subdued, uh, I should say the suspect is subdued. He should be able to call him off with a voice command. They're voice activated. A properly trained dog. So the officers are running along with the dogs wherever they're going. The officer is within what 10, 20 feet. It depends, but under this, in this circumstance, and I'm only visualizing what happened, it's dark out, it's, or, or actually it was this morning,
But obviously, the suspect is going to yell. You're going to hear a noise, right? So the dogs are operating with night vision, another part of their technology. They see yeah. at night very little ambient light. So they're going to make a sound. Generally, it's a scream. And when they hear a scream, the handler can call them off by probably right. 30, 40 feet away. Is there a particular wow. kind of dog that's best suited for this? Right. So for this kind of work, criminal apprehension, we call it, uh, German Shepherds, and now lately you'll hear the, the breed Belgian Malinois. And Be Belgian Malinois, they are like genetically high hardwired. They're more uh, determined, so to speak, than even the, the, the German Shepherd. So those are the two primary dogs for patrol work or military working dogs that go out and apprehend people. Uh, obviously, any a dog, your pet at home could search for drugs and anything. When I was in the military after 9-11, we used poodles to search inside the compartments of submarines because you couldn't get a big German Shepherd or a Malinois huh, down. Wow, that is oh, fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. Right, because the nose, the nose, the olfactory ability of the dog, it doesn't matter whether it's a poodle or a pit bull. They have the same ability. We just don't recognize it when your dog is laying on your couch with you. See, uh, you get, you, you, Michael, you get a couple of mini golden doodles. <laughs> Nobody will ever suspect anything. They'll, right, they'll exactly. come to the dog. They'll be like, oh, Undercover, it's okay. <laughs> Undercover golden doodles. I love it. Michael, thank you so much. It was yeah, really was eye fascinating. Thank really, you, Michael. I uh, really appreciate the time. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Well, Kim Zosiak's financial problems uh, have been well documented, especially by the federal government. But uh, she may have a path out soon uh, because she's actually got a job on TV. She's but coming it's... back to reality TV. She's going to be on Surreal Life. Um, and I think it is this cast around her. It is going to be surreal. It's gonna be very interesting. Uh, this is obviously a very smart idea for Kim. We know she has a lot of financial problems. She's uh, draining in money problems. So she's obviously gonna get a very good check from doing this appearance. You could assume probably a few hundred thousand dollars at least. I gotta say, Brendan, I think at most. Yeah, and, and Kim will be in this house. She's already moved into the house, actually. We found out she flew from uh, Georgia over the weekend. Um, some other cast members, Johnny Weir, Macy Gray. Uh, you have Allie Brooke, who is in Fifth Harmony. So. It'll be an interesting group. I could kind of see maybe her and Johnny Weir getting into it over her troubles with Croy, maybe. And they're shooting in Columbia, right? Yeah, they're in Columbia, and they're going to film wow. this for the next few weeks. So she was actually in a casino down there, with, and she posted a picture in a casino, right? Of course she found the casino in Columbia. Yeah, and it's like, that's the problem. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, it's almost like, like on the one hand, Troy is, Troy is probably seeing it. I'm going, all right, well, good. She's working, and there'll be some money coming in. I'll help with the debt. And then he sees the photo of her at a casino, and he's probably going, oh, God. And she go. may, and listen, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but, you know, <laughs> she may be doing it, not necessarily for the money, but at least she's got a house. Because yeah. she's about to lose the other one. I mean, it, they're, they're in dire <laughs> she's like, financial shape. Can't we shoot uh, for a few more weeks? So let's, they, 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 <laughs> they are in dire financial straits, and he is selling literally like, the shirt off his back yeah. uh, to make mortgage payments so they don't sink into foreclosure. So it's a tough situation. Hi, my name is Janelle Vinoy. I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And listen, uh, Kim is doing this because she's broke. She doesn't have any money. You saw her gambling. Uh, and Croy is tired of doing her wigs and her hair and trying to redo it. Uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Andy, they don't want her back either. So she has to do something in order to feed her poor, small little kids. I, I do think that this is an opportunity for her that once this airs, 
Andy Cohen and everybody else at Bravo will be they looking at it. They already know. They, that's the thing. It's like they already know what she's about because she was on Housewives right. for so long. So it's not like Surreal Life is going to say, oh, my God, look at... They, but one thing, they, they know One her. thing we know that they do look at, they know her, but what they want to look at is what is the audience. So when pe people are watching Surreal Life, they look at social media. What are people saying? How much talk is there about Kim on social media? All that... If she can create some buzz from the things that happen on this reality show, there's a better opportunity for her to get back on, here, here, on a Bravo here, show. Here's why I disagree with you. That if there is a moment where she is in the news, it's been the last three months when they no, filed no, no, for no, divorce. No, no. I'm talking but, about her in a reality TV no, 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 setting. But, but they know what she's like in a reality setting. What I'm saying is... No, but what they don't know is what the audience, them telling you... These executives look at social media. I know, but social media is covering no, the drama about her, life. her on a TV show. Nah, but they, yeah. know, they know what she's like on a TV show. It's her life right now. They don't know what the audience on a TV show, a TV show audience feels about her. But they're not going to know because it's an ensemble. They're not going to say, oh, they're getting ratings because of... Do you of know how Twitter works? Or X? Do you know how television works? Yes! Steven Tyler is really going through it at home now, trying to recover from strained is the biggest understatement. The, the word is mangled. Mangled vocal cords that were bleeding during his Long Island concert over the weekend. Bleeding. He blew out his vocal cords so badly. So Aerosmith is on in the middle of their farewell tour. They had a show in, uh, on Long Island last weekend, and um, Steven was doing what he does, belting out those incredible high notes when his vocal cords were just blown, ruptured. But here's what we found out that is fascinating. This happened early on in the concert, and his, his vocal cords, we know that a doctor said, because he flew to Boston, and his ENT said, your vocal cords are mangled. He Bleeding, finished, by the, way. finished oh. the concert, and after they blew out, for you Aerosmith fans out there, he sang Dream On. That note that he hits in Dream On, he hit with mangled I can't. vocal cords. It's unbelievable. And nobody knew. Nobody knew during the concert. It's that this kind of happen. admirable. I know it's, it's admirable that he pushed on with the show. You know, the show must go on. But I'm kind of... If, if his vocal cords are bleeding, stop the show, Steven Tyler. Like, take care of yourself. I don't know. I mean, you know what? The, you know, as a fan, you don't want the concert to stop. But... You know, we've seen with so many other artists, they got to put their health first. They say he's going to be fine in 30 days. And I talked to somebody yesterday and I asked, they said, it, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to pull back? Is he going to try to hit that note with Dream On? And what I got back was, Steven Tyler is an animal. And he will hit that note and he will not pull back an inch. That he will give the same performance he's always given. That's just the way He's built. Timothy Slater from San Jose, California. And Steven Tyler is just a super legend. And I'm wishing him a speed recovery. Like he goes 110% every time he sings. So I'm surprised he hasn't blown out his vocal cords uh, years earlier because he goes hard. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Max in Long Beach talking about NSYNC reuniting at the VMAs, which is really cool to see all of them come out. Um, you know, let's let's get more of this. Let's get more uh, in sync uh, uh, together. Like this is it was really cool to see um, them, especially at this event honoring Taylor Swift. Like I, I like to see it more. Let's keep it going. Personally, I think it's going to happen. I really do. 
Uh, one more. Haley Williams. I'm from Decatur, Georgia, and I'm going to be commenting on Chris Brown and Selena. I don't see nothing wrong with the reaction she had. I just feel like she should remember that she's at the VMAs. When they said Chris's name, of course they were going to be looking for negative feedback in the crowd. Okay. The Jonas Brothers uh, continuing their tour, and they stopped into Sacramento. Love Sacramento. You like Sacramento? I do. I, li I lived there for you don't summers know about when I Sacramento. was Sacramento. What are you talking? <laughs> I was okay. there. All right, let's get to the Jonas Brothers. So, so here's what happened at the show. We've been showing you over the last few months. There's this new trend of like, I don't know, people are throwing things on stage, and I don't mean and hit underwear and bras. And sometimes injuring the performer. Yeah. Well, um, Nick Jonas is the latest victim. Now, he's okay, but they're concerned about this becoming a thing. No, don't throw anything. They got to lay down the law. Yeah. No more throwing stuff. You know what I was just thinking? Uh-oh. Inner tubing. Sacramento. Inner tubing. I knew it. I was going to say, River. on the American River, <laughs> drifting down the American River. In my best ute. summer of in my, my ute. Oh, my God. We'll see you tomorrow.